0: Matthew chapter 13, please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. I was told to check up here to see if I could find any of the uh, possible holes that Pastor Stevens might have left, and I was told to give some real southern preaching when I got up here, so (laughs) I was, whoever said that to me knows I was born and raised in Michigan, so Though I had four years at a southern college, went to a southern church, and married a southern wife, I don't really know how southern my preaching has gotten quite yet. (laughs) Matthew chapter 13. And let's stand out of respect for the Word of God as we read Matthew chapter 13 together. And let's read one verse all together. Matthew 13, verse number 3. The Bible says, And he spake... Many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for the opportunity to preach. Thank you for a church family who has loved me, who you have used as your instrument to shape me and mold me and prepare me for the life I am living now and the future that you have prepared for me. Bless our time as we look into your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This, is, this passage of Scripture I really find interesting. This is the first of Jesus' many parables that we find in the book of Matthew. It's repeated in the book of Luke and in the book of Mark as well. And what I find interesting about this particular passage is this. Jesus is speaking to two kinds of people. He is speaking to a group he knew that would understand and a group of people that he knew would not understand. Not that they wouldn't understand because of ignorance, but because of arrogance. And I would like to say that every time this passage is preached, there are still two kinds of people. There are the kind of people who are going to listen with a heart that desires to understand, and God will use this to be a blessing to them. The second type of people are ones who are listening with a heart who does not want to understand, and therefore they will leave as unchanged as the listeners were in Matthew 13. With that being said, there's all this talk, right, about essential oils and vitamins and all these things we do to keep healthy, right? Well, right here in Matthew 13 are some principles I think are very important to having a healthy heart. And I think some heart health is what we all would like. We would like our ticker to run for a little while. And I think spiritually we want to have a healthy heart as well, right? And I think here when we look at the parable of the sower we find some principles of how my heart is to function in a healthy way in Matthew 13. Now, first, I would like to draw your attention to number one. Now, don't get too excited, but I only have two points. The first one's pretty short, but the second one may take three or four hours, depending on traffic. So, first point is the sower. That's in verse number three. He says, Christ speaking here says, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Now, I, I know this is shocking, but I am not an agricultural expert. I know that's deceiving. Those of you who have shaken my hands knows that my hand probably hasn't done anything farm-related because there's no catalyst on them. So <laughs> you probably would understand that farm life is not something I'm experienced in. However, I do know this much, that a sower in the Bible times is similar to our modern way of farming, right? And you understand that as well. Some of you have a farm. You've grown up with relatives that have a farm, so you probably have a better understanding of this than I do. What I find fascinating, though, is that it says a sower went forth to sow, but his identity is never given. Now, that's common when Jesus told a parable, right? Oftentimes, the identity of the person was not given, and we find it here. But the principle I want you to see that it doesn't really take someone special to sow seed. It really doesn't. Now, even someone like myself can take seed and scatter it in places, right? And I can be as talented as this guy. He managed to land it in four different areas. If I threw seed, who knows where it's going to end up, right? But the point I want us to see is that it doesn't take much to, to scatter seed. It really doesn't. In fact, the Bible doesn't draw the attention to the sower hardly at all. It draws the attention more so to what he is doing. And what is he doing? Very good. He is sowing the seed. Now, can you, can you experts give an idea without cheating and looking ahead? Can you give me an idea what you think? You can raise your hand if you want. I really don't know how things are done on Sunday nights anymore. I've been gone for quite a long time. But if you would like to, who can tell me what the seed represents? The Word of God. Very good. The seed represents the Word. God is keying in on this idea. God's Word is meant for something very specific, very important. We, as Christians, were commissioned with one job, pretty much, if you think about it. We are to scatter the seed and make sure it's growing on good ground, right? That's basically the mindset of Matthew 28 when it says, Go ye into all the world and teach all nations, right? Making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. We know, we understand that as the Great Commission passage, right? Well, right here, this seed, the Word of God, is being scattered by this sower. And it's on four types of ground. Now, I want you to catch this. There are four types of people here. And depending on where your walk with God is tonight... Is reflected in this text And our our path, our direction Is understanding how to have a healthy heart And I think we can get there By understanding what is happening With the first three parts of this parable So that leads me to my second point And this is where the three hour sermon begins Oh, they got a new clock back there The old one, you could hardly see what time it was That one's nice (laughs) You're all lucky (laughs) Before I would have no idea what time it was Um, let's look at the grounds then point number one was the sower second we're going to take a look at the grounds it says in verse 4 and when he sowed some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up now, this, to me, is the type of person who, when I hand them a gospel track, I feel like I ended up throwing it onto Fostoria Road because it landed on some hard pavement, and it went nowhere inside that person's heart. Have you ever talked to someone like that, about anything spiritual? You go to bring up the Bible or the gospel to them, and it's as if you just hit a brick wall. It's just like no way inside whatsoever. It's like the seed that is landing by the wayside. It's a wayside heart, a heart that is not receptive to the word of God. Now, if you understand uh, about how a path is formed, you know that it is made through people or animals walking over it a long time. And the more you walk over something, the harder something gets, right? What could be possible for people with this kind of heart, now now we don't know the circumstances specifically Christ was talking about, but he, we, we, could, we could put it this way. Maybe their life has, has, has not been as easy as they would have liked it to. And often when you talk to these people and you have any relationship with them, they start bringing up some bitterness towards what the church has done to them. Or maybe they had this expectation about what God should have done for them, but he didn't. And so because God didn't fit inside their little box, they rejected him. And so the more you bring up the gospel, it's like the more hard their heart is getting. Have you ever talked to someone that just seems... So shut to what God has to say. I've talked to people like that. I'm really good at sitting next to them on the airplane. But then again, on an airplane, no one wants to talk to anybody. You just want to sleep. I can't sleep on an airplane anyway. So for the person next to me, that's bad news because I'm going to be talking to them probably the entire 10 hour flight. So, but it's a wayside heart. These people, they, they don't want change. Whatever the reason is, their heart is not open at all. Now, that, I, I find comfort, though. And maybe I'm speaking to someone tonight. You, I don't know why you came. Maybe you came because a relative dragged you or you're doing this out of some sort of obligation. I don't know. But I can tell you this. Despite how hard your heart is, God's word can still break you. It can. I know that because it says in Jeremiah that his word is like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. His word is like a fire. It is like water that can wear down any hard heart. And I'm thankful for that. A wayside heart, by the way, is very dangerous. And let me point out why. It says that, now this is interesting. It says in verse 4, And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured it. Now, look at the explanation he gives later on in the passage. Down in verse number, let me see this lighting here. Here we go, verse number 19. So this is Christ's explanation of this heart right here. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. Do you get the picture here? Now, key in on this phrase, who understands not. Now, that, does, that's, that phrase doesn't mean that when I gave them the gospel, they didn't, under, they didn't quite get it. That means not, they, they chose not to understand. When it says he understood not, he made a conscious decision to reject it. And when he rejected it, then Satan comes and snatches away that seed which was, which was sown in his heart. This is the scary thing about talking to people who have this kind of heart, is that when you do share the gospel with them, there is that risk of Satan intercepting us and robbing them of that which was given, the gospel. And if I am speaking to someone with a wayside heart, may I, may I encourage you that, you that today is the day of salvation for you, that the more you fight off God, God is not obligated to give. Now, we like to think of God as merciful, and he is. He is love, and I understand that, but God is not obligated to give any of us a second chance. You understand that, right? Right? Just because he is a God of mercy does not obligate him to show mercy. He shows mercy because he chooses to. He says in Romans 8, he has mercy on whom he chooses to have mercy. So when we, when I myself, as before I became a Christian, when I reject, if I rejected the gospel, he's not obligated to give me a second chance. He does when we pray. He does when we continue to labor and still share the word. But he's not obligated to keep coming after you. He has mercy on those he is willing to have mercy. And today, if you're listening, and you have yet to trust Christ as your Savior, and you reject tonight, Satan is waiting to snatch that seed out of your heart. And tonight is your night you need to be saved. If I can just encourage that, that's the wayside heart. second kind of heart we see is found in verse number 5. my millennial senses out of touch. I forgot my tablet, which is, I love preaching from a tablet because everything is just on this device, and I had to use paper notes. So I feel extremely archaic tonight. I'm very sorry about this. Verse number five. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. This, this heart has something blocking it. There is something in the way. You don't really... When we plant our gardens and, our, and we want our fresh tomatoes, because homegrown tomatoes taste so much better than the stores, Right? And we want our cucumbers and we want our corn or whatever it is you're planting in your garden. You don't really expect a whole lot of a harvest if you've never taken the time to clear out those rocks, right? I mean, if you just have a bunch of lumpy rocks all over in your garden, that's kind of going to affect the fruit that's going to come up, right? The same is true for this kind of heart. It's interesting what it says, how it fell among stony places. And because there's no deepness of earth, when the roots try to grow... They were scorched by the sun. He says later on as an explanation of the passage, he says that what happened is they received, they happily received the word, but when persecutions and tribulations, when struggles started happening, they, 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 they withered away. They were offended. They stumbled. This is the heart that got the wrong idea about salvation. And we talk to a lot of people like this, especially my age, I talk to a lot of people like this. These are the people that look to Jesus Christ as an eraser. That when I get saved, all of my problems are going to be wiped away. There's going to be no struggle. (laughs) Can I tell you that is unfortunately not how it is. When we become a Christian, in fact, we get a whole new set of problems. Isn't that encouraging to be a Christian, right? It says that now we are an enemy with the world. Our own selves, the flesh, and Satan himself. Now, that doesn't really sound like an encouraging way to become a Christian. Is saying, hey, guess what? You get a cross, you get to be at odds with the entire way society thinks, and you might even lose your life if persecution happens. You want to be a Christian? We don't really give the gospel that way. Well, we understand. Well, it's because Jesus died for us. He died on the cross. He was buried. And when we accept him, we have a brand new life, a life lived for him. We understand this. But many lost people, when they hear of the gospel, they don't, he- they don't think with the same understanding we have. A lot of them see Jesus as, oh, this is going to take away all my problems. And so they receive the word. But when tribulation and persecution come, they are offended. They stumble. This heart I like to call, while the wayside heart is more of a hard heart, this heart is a confused heart. These are the people we witness to that are confused about what it means to receive the word. They are confused. They thought the gospel would take away their problems. Now, may I kindly tell you, friend, if I'm talking to someone like this, Jesus is not an eraser for your problems. He is the savior of your soul. This is where the beauty comes in of being a Christian. You don't get an eraser. You get something better than that. You get strength to face your problems. One out of six Americans, last study I read, one out of six Americans is on some kind of psychiatric drug. Most common type is an antidepressant. Another study I've looked at more recently would argue that it's now anxiety. People just don't know how to deal with their problems. Christians ought to. We ought to. We have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. To be a Christian is not a problem-free life. It is having a strength to deal with your problems. To have peace does not erase problems. It gives you a buoyancy through your problems. So if I'm talking to someone, you thought the gospel, having Jesus as your Savior would take away your problems, unfortunately you were misled. I will tell you this, that if you allow Jesus to save you, you will have a friend that will forever be with you through your problems. It gets even better than that. The Bible says in Romans 8 that he will use all things, good or bad, for your good and his glory. That is wonderful. Jesus said to the apostles in John 15 that, look, guys, you're going to face tribulation. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to face all sorts of things. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world The same victory that Jesus Christ had when he rose from that grave is the same victory that we have and can experience today. That is the message people need to hear. Not about a Jesus who takes problems away, but a Jesus who gives you peace in your problems. That is what the world needs. That is what America needs. It's not something to take the problems away like a pill bottle, it's a strength to deal with their circumstances. This is the stony heart. Now, my cure for these two kind of hearts, we dealt with the hard heart, the wayside heart. We dealt with the, scorny, with the, the, the scorched heart or the confused heart. The, uh, the, my, my, my prescription for these two is exactly the same, and it's the same as the third heart, and that is this. You need to Repent. For those of you with the wayside heart, your heart is hard. You've rejected God, and maybe once or twice that seed's been snatched from you because of how much you've been resisting him. Or I'm talking to someone who's confused. You thought Jesus was the eraser for your problems. The answer to both problems is the same. You need to repent. Change how you think. Jesus is king. You are going to stand accountable to him. You with the hard heart. You with the confused heart, he's not an eraser. He's your Savior that helps you deal with your problems. To repent means to change how I think, to change my mind. So therefore, in order to be delivered from the wayside heart and the stony heart is to turn to Christ. He is the solution. He produces the fourth ground that we're going to look at. Third point. The thorny ground, verse number uh, seven. And some fell among thorns... And the thorns sprang up and choked them. now, these thorns Christ explains later that these thorns are about the cares of this life and the, lo- and, the, lo- and, the and the love for riches. Those are two weeds that are weeds are nasty aren't they? I, I, I did my internship out in Tucson, Arizona. Nothing grows out there except cactus it's disgusting and it, I like living here because I can go outside in the woods and I can run. I don't know why because I'm not being chased. But if I wanted to, I could run through the woods and not have to worry about anything green hurting me. If I'm out in Arizona, you can't just go for a walk in the woods. Like if you, not unless you're in, like, I don't know, some kind of metallic armor because those things hurt. I had one of those cacti stub me right in my toe and draw, drew blood from me. I like living here in Michigan where I can just go outside and it's nice. I hate thorns. I hate weeds. Weeds are nasty because that means I have to pull them, you know, and you have to get rid of them. None of us like weeds in our garden. And let me tell you, weeds are not good for the Christian either. There are two kinds of weeds that Christ points out. There's, there's the cares of this life. Now, people pleasers, I'm talking to you. Anyone who's a people pleaser, I really want you to key on on this. You who like to please other people, I'm talking to you. You can't please everybody. You really can't. The cares of this life, it has to do with worry. Some of us think way too much about what other people think of us. That is a very sad way to live. People pleasers don't please people. You're wasting your time. Just worry about being a good Christian. That's all. You, that's, seriously, that's all you have to do, is not try to go out of your way to please people. Those of you that are worry warts, I'm talking to you now, you can look this way. You can look at Yep, very good. You can look this way. You can't worry about your problems. You've got to give them to Jesus. Those things, worrying about what other people think, uh, worrying about life in general, these are weeds that suck the spiritual life radon out of us. You know why they do that? It's because all of a sudden we become responsible for our lives, instead of letting God be in charge of our life. Whether it's to please other people or to worry about things we can't change, when we do those things, we rob God of being sovereign, and we think of ourselves as a little God, that can have control over our lives. It's wrong. It's, it's not correct thinking. You need to you need to think with a Christ-centered mind. Only Jesus can help me with my problems. Those of you that are greedy, like myself, I'm a greedy person, so I'm preaching at myself right now. You like things. You like material things. Now, some of you are protective of your wallets. I'm not saying that having things is bad. All preachers say that, don't they? Whenever they start talking about money, the first thing they say is, now, I'm not saying... That having, riches is, that having riches is bad. The love of money is bad. But for some of you, maybe having riches is bad. Because of your temptation. Maybe you could do with a little less spending and a little more worrying about Jesus. I think that would be great. I'm, I'm one of those people, by the way. I think there's a reason why God called me to preach. Because he knew I didn't need money. Because I'd probably be very bad with it. Because I know that my heart likes things. And you know what? A love for money will suck my spiritual life right on out of me. It makes you greedy, it makes you unproductive, and you can't really do the things for God that he wants you to. It's a sad way to live. This is a thorny heart, a heart that is being choked out of its spiritual life. Whether it's by the cares of this life, worry, anxiety, whatever it is you want to put in there, or by a love for wealth. Those two things will kill a spiritual life. You can't have that and expect To prosper as a Christian. By the way, a Christian that grows is the Psalm 1 Christian. If you're in the Reformers Unanimous ministry, you know that passage probably better than I do. If you delight in God's word, he will make you like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in its season. Your leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever you do will prosper. I like that verse. That tells me, put this book first, and God will take care of me. That's what that tells me. For those of us who are worrying about things we can't change or going after shiny things that will make itself wings and fly away, that we're missing it. We're really missing the boat. The way to live is not the thorny heart. And the cure for you is the same as the first two. Repent. You repent of your sins. Repent of the way you've been thinking. Turn to Christ. Receive the word that you're listening to tonight. And now we get to our fi- uh, the final heart, the good ground. I like the good ground. It's like a happy ending to a story. Verse number... Verse number 8, But other fell onto good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. You know what this is really cool about? Okay, first off is this. When I just receive God's word, he makes me fruitful. He makes me fruitful. Isn't that wonderful? If I just obey the Bible, he makes me prosperous. Kind of sounds like Joshua 1, doesn't it? It says meditate on these things day and night and and, and observe them and then you'll have good success. Or again, Psalm 1, delight in God's law and he'll make you like that tree. There seems to be a connection here. Obey God's word and he will make you fruitful. Some of you are wondering, man, why why don't I have the joy that so-and-so has? Or why is it that I just am losing my mind with some things I've been battling? Well... Let's do some heart analysis. Okay, are you a thorny heart? Are you worrying about things you can't change, and therefore it's robbing you of joy? It's choking that right on out of you? Or is there something you're rebelling against God? You're like a wayside heart. You know, even Christians can have a wayside heart. You know, it's possible to harden your heart against God. It's dangerous as a Christian because he has a two-by-four waiting for us. Because he knows how to get our attention when we reject him, right? But we can harden our heart against God. But the answer is the same. Draw nigh to God, James 4, and he'll draw nigh to you. You know, 2 Peter 1, it says, God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. You want to have a successful Christian life, obey God's word. Now, again, you reject God in one area of your life, he's not obligated to bless you in another. That's important to understand. Some of us are like little kids that whine for things to God and wonder why he doesn't give us something. And Pastor Aaron would use this illustration. Him and I would have all sorts of good conversations at college. Usually he'd be starting them, because I don't talk about much anything we're talking about. But we were talking about revival, and how you know, oftentimes we don't experience revival... Because it's as if God, God has the dessert, revival, waiting for us to eat, but we haven't finished our food yet. We haven't done that which he's told us to do. And you're wondering why, man, my spiritual life, I, I'm not telling people about Jesus like I should, and I'm not just, I just don't see myself growing. Well, the answer is just obey the Bible. Just take this book and live it. And then God will supply that which you need. That's Matthew. We can turn right there. We're in Matthew. It's Matthew six thirty-three. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's wonderful to me. And by the way, that passage is dealing with worry. That's a, if, you, if Those worry warts that I was talking to, I myself am sometimes one of them. Matthew 6 is for you. Philippians 4 is for you. Whatever your heart condition is tonight, the point of this message is this. Everyone in this room can have a fruitful, healthy Christian life. That, to me, is encouraging. And you can bear fruit. The fruit of the Spirit found in Matthew 5. The principles of adding to our faith in 2 Peter 1. All the beautiful attributes of love we like to read on our wedding day. We didn't have that read on our wedding day. Sorry if you did and we didn't. I think ours was done very nice without it. But whatever it is, in the Bible, you say, Man, I want that as part of my life. Obey God's word. The point of the parable is this. people, people Okay, so you're going to probably, every preacher will say what a point of a parable is, and three of them will give five different opinions. Here's my opinion. We look at Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. What is the point of this? Why is Christ telling this? Good seed grows on good ground. Now let me make some application with how we reach lost people, because that's where I started. Don't expect someone who has continuously been rejecting God to get saved the first time you talk to them. That wayside heart, if you've ever wanted to plant a garden on some on ground that was hard as cement, you would know better than I would that you need to plow that ground and soften it. And that takes a lot of work. Some people are like that, where they just take some hard work to soften that ground. That's the wayside heart. Some people we witness to are like the stony hearts, where there's rocks in the way, there's confusion. And we break our backs to remove those rocks so we can get to the soil where they'll finally understand, right? And then we meet some people, some even Christians, who are like the thorny heart, where you gotta get on some gloves, risk getting scraped and scarred, trying to help these people clear their thorns and receive the seed, right? And then other hearts... By the way, the hearts that have fallen on good ground, it took God a long time probably to get them there. Some of, I know, I'm looking at some faces that I know God worked on you a long time before you got right with him. Other people are the same way. So one application is this. Don't expect every person you witness to to get saved on the spot. That was my mistake when I first... Got my life right with God. I was saying, well, why aren't you getting saved? It's just right here. It's simple. It's Romans Road. You should be saved now because it's just clear as day. I don't understand why you're not understanding this. Some people have a heart that's not ready to receive. But that's no excuse for us to just let them go. Some people take work. Another application is this. Don't expect fruit to grow in your life if you're not right with God. Just don't. You have, it is, I said this to the college and career class, it is arrogant for us to think that God will bless us when we have purposely rebelled in an area of our life. That's arrogance. Because God is God. He has no obligation to bless me whatsoever other than his grace and mercy. That's how I'm blessed, is because he loves me. But he is under no obligation to do so. He chooses to. And because of that, this parable encourages us to be right with him, that our lives may bear Fruit. So wherever your heart is, or whatever God has challenged you tonight, I can promise you, all of us can leave here this evening with a healthy, functioning Christian heart. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around. There are a lot of things we covered in a very short amount of time. But I'm wondering, maybe I'm talking to two individuals... The first individual is like this. You know someone with a heart that is either a wayside heart, with a stony heart, or with a thorny heart, and you've been given some help tonight to better pray and help those people be touched by the gospel. If I'm speaking to someone, you say, I'm thinking of someone right now that this message will help me better witness to them and pray for them. If I'm talking to you, I want to pray with you for that person and for you. So would you raise your hand? You say, this helped me have a better understanding of witnessing to someone else. Wonderful. That's fantastic. Praise the Lord. Now, I have a second question. Maybe I'm talking to a type of person. Maybe you're saved. You've trusted Christ. Maybe you haven't. But I'm talking to somebody saying, you know what? I think myself, I have that wayside heart, that hard heart. Or, you know what, there were some things I was confused about the gospel. I thought Jesus was the eraser for my problems. Or maybe you would say, you know what, I think I'm chasing my dollars a little too hard. And I think I'm worrying about things I really shouldn't because it's, it's God's responsibility, not mine. If I'm talking to anyone like that, I didn't embarrass the first group. I'm not going to embarrass this one either. You say, that sounds like me. Would you pray for me tonight? Would you raise your hand like the first group? Wonderful. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your honesty. Fantastic. Let's have a word of prayer together, and I'll turn the service to Pastor Aaron. Father, I thank you so much for the work that you've done in these two types of individuals tonight. If there be anyone who has yet to have trusted Christ as their Savior, may tonight be their night. And for those who have made decisions to say, you know what, this better helps me evangelize, or that heart that says, that sounds like me, I need to change, I need to come to Christ tonight for that kind of good ground. I pray that your will would be done. Thank you for the time we've had together. In Jesus' name, amen.